1: Thank you for standing by and welcome to the Loblaw Companies Limited Q3 2020 earnings call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you'll need to press star 1 on your telephone. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded. If you require any further assistance, please press star 0. Thank you. It's now my pleasure to hand the conference over to your moderator for today. Roy McDonald, Vice President, Investor Relations. Please go ahead. Good morning, everybody. Thank you, Jack. Welcome
2: to the Loblaw Limited third quarter 2020 results conference call. This morning, I'm joined by Galen Weston, our Executive Chairman, Sarah Davis, our President, and Darren Myers, our Chief Financial Officer. And before we begin the call, I'll remind you that today's discussion will include forward-looking statements, which may include but are not limited to statements with respect to Loblaw's anticipated future results and the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. These statements are based on assumptions and reflect management's current expectations and are subject to a number of risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results or events to differ materially from our expectations. These risks and uncertainties are discussed in the company's materials filed with the Canadian Securities Regulators and any forward-looking statements speak only only as of the date that they are made. The company disclaims any intention or obligation to update or revise any of the forward-looking statements, whether as a result of new information, future events or otherwise, other than what's required by law. Also, certain non-GAAP financial measures may be discussed or referred to today. Please refer to our annual report and other materials filed with the Canadian Securities Regulators for a reconciliation of each of these measures to the most directly comparable GAAP financial measure. And with that, I'll turn the call over to Darren.
3: Thank you, Roy, and good morning, everyone. The third quarter represented an improvement in our results in what continues to be a challenging and dynamic time. The pandemic continues to influence consumer behavior, impacting sales mix and elevating our associated costs. On an adjusted consolidated basis, our reported revenue grew by 6.9%. Adjusted EBITDA was up 2.1%. Adjusted net earnings were up 1.3%. And adjusted earnings per share increased by 4%. Our same-store sales and drug retail increased 6.1%. Front store same-store sales grew 2.4%. While pharmacy same-store sales grew by 10.3%. Front store sales mix was driven by strong performance in food, habit, and household products. While we continue to experience pressure in cosmetics and OTC, cosmetics showed an improvement in the rate of decline relative to our second quarter. In pharmacy, we delivered strong sales in part due to the demand for 90-day prescription refills following the lift of government restrictions. We expect some negative impact from the timing of these changes on our Q4 prescription business. Food retail same-store sales grew 6.9% in the quarter. Food sales growth included changes within the category mix and the benefit from strong demand for essential food categories. Demand across our formats remained strong with 9.7% growth in our market division and 4.7% in our discount division. Our average article price was 5.3% for the quarter. The average article price increase reflects a change in our sales mix, including consumers buying larger format items. The increase is not indicative of inflation, which using CPI as a reference would have been closer to the 1.8% for the quarter. For the quarter, our food retail basket size remained elevated, while traffic continued to be negative. We did see traffic starting to improve and the basket not quite as high, however, we remain well outside pre-COVID rates. Total retail gross margin was 26.7%, excluding the consolidation of franchises, a decline of 60 basis points compared to last year. Our margins were negatively impacted by declines in food and drug rates. In food, our rate was negatively impacted by sales mix and targeted pricing investments. In drug, we were negatively impacted by mix. Retail SG&A as a percentage of sales was 17.2%, excluding the benefit from franchise consolidation an improvement of 10 basis points. The improvement reflects the benefit of sales leverage, process efficiencies, and continuing to delay discretionary spending. This was partially offset by higher COVID-related costs and higher costs associated with the growth in e-commerce. During the quarter, COVID-related costs increased our spending by an estimated $85 million. Retail EBITDA increased $22 million and EBITDA margin came in at 9.5% A decrease of 60 basis points compared to last year. Moving to PC financial, revenue was $278 million, down $31 million in the quarter, driven primarily by lower credit card spending, partially offset by strength in our mobile sales. Adjusted EBITDA contributions increased by $10 million year-over-year as a result of timing of investments and adjustments to our ECL provision. Adjusted consolidated EBITDA margin was 9.7% in the quarter. Normalized for the consolidation of franchises, EBITDA margin declined 40 basis points compared to last year. In the quarter, IFRS net earnings available to common shareholders was $345 million, an increase of 3.3% in fully diluted earnings per share, or $1.30, an increase of 4%. Moving to cash flow, the company generated $121 million of free cash flow in the quarter. We repurchased 5 million common shares during the quarter, and today we announced a 2 cents or 6.3% increase in our quarterly dividend. This marks our ninth consecutive annual increase. In September, we received an upgrade by DBRS to triple B high. This reflects the strength and stability of our business and the ability to continue to generate strong cash flows. Looking ahead, there continues to be a high degree of uncertainty about the duration and the impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic on the Canadian economy. We expect continued volatility in our business as shopping behaviors continue to evolve, as does the demand for the types of products and services we provide. In the four weeks following the end of the third quarter, volatility continued. Food retail sales and COVID-related costs have continued on a similar trajectory to Q3, while drug retail sales have seen a deceleration of growth, primarily due to the impact of the timing of the prescription volumes related to the change in fill rates. Given the volatility and continued uncertainty, it is too early to extrapolate a trend. In conclusion, we are focused on delivering value to our customers. Incremental sales volumes and ongoing benefits from our process and efficiency initiatives allowed us to offset cost inflation and invest in our strategic initiatives while generating earnings growth. I will now turn the call over to Sarah.
4: Good morning. COVID-19 remains important context for our day-to-day operations and our performance in the third quarter. You will remember that in the early part of the year, it was the dominant factor and a substantial drag on our profitability. We saw significant channel, format, and store switching, favoring conventional over discount. There were significant fluctuations in buying patterns away from discretionary items to necessary items, and we were investing heavily to keep our colleagues and our customers safe. Today, we continue to maneuver through these challenging times, but with our feet squarely beneath us, our QC3 results show our sequentially improving performance, including tonnage, market share, margin, and profit improvements, while we continue to invest in the safety of our people and our stores. We have also made considerable progress on our strategic pillars. On a consolidated basis, our revenue grew 6.9% in the quarter. At shoppers, front store sales grew 2.4, and Rx was up 10.3%. Underlying these results, there were some extremes in major categories. Prescription counts were strong, up 5%, as government restrictions on fill rates unwound. There has been a surge in demand for flu shots, and we have administered more to date than we did in all of last year. On the other hand, our beauty and our coffin cold businesses remain soft. These categories improved over Q2, but continue to trend down year over year. In summary, shoppers' performance remains complex with signs of strength and irregularities that are normalizing. I want to take a minute to applaud our pharmacists. They have played a huge part in the Canadian healthcare response for months now, rapidly expanding their scope and even ramping up to conduct almost 155,000 asymptomatic COVID tests in recent months. I think their response has been exceptional. These are important examples that demonstrate the strength of our pharmacy assets and our ability to leverage those assets to to provide Canadians with essential family health care services. Turning now to grocery. In Q3, our market division continued with its 2020 winning streak. With same-store sales at 9.7%, we posted another quarter of share gains. We delivered market-leading value in fresh and continued to see customer satisfaction scores that were well ahead of past years. In discount, we are seeing a slow but certain resurgence, following following well-explained relative softness early in the pandemic. In the quarter, sales grew 4.7%, with food sales even higher. We invested in price and maintained strong promotions. Banner by banner, our food stores are well-positioned to meet the challenges of the pandemic, while we continue to provide customers with the everyday value that has always been important to them. During the quarter, we made good progress on our strategy, and our new customer behaviors confirmed that we are on the right path. More specifically, as the early pandemic panic settled, customers told us what really matters to them now. They care about convenience, health, and brands they can trust. These customer priorities align beautifully with our strategy. Our everyday digital retail strategy continues to deliver convenience. We have an unmatched network and a first mover advantage. In Q3, we expanded our digital offering with Shoppers' front store offer online, adding to the strong existing beauty offer, which was up nearly 200% in the quarter. We also created some great e-commerce excitement. Our Shoppers' beauty team held a hashtag challenge on TikTok that drew over 800 million views. And our Joe Fresh team had overwhelming success with our exclusive Jilly Jacket, based on a social media influencer program. Turning to health and wellness. 2020 will be remembered as a foundational year for our Connected Healthcare Network strategy. As mentioned earlier, patients and governments are turning to pharmacists for a greater range of services, and we're finding new ways to serve them. During the quarter, we opened the first of our medical clinics. We made a strategic investment in Maple, which now supports 160 in-store virtual care sites in our British Columbia pharmacies. And we launched PC Health, a consumer app that provides everything from help navigating the medical system to live access to care providers, to programs and rewards for healthier behaviors. Finally, you're aware of our payments and rewards strategy, based on the growing loyalty loop we've established with millions of Canadians through PC Optimum. In September, we launched the PC Money Account, which is a return to banking for us. But it's different. We have found ways to give customers more rewards for more activities as they spend, save, or transfer their money day to day. Over 50% of our customers use cash or debit when shopping in our stores. This new product gives them unmatched rewards, and it gives them another reason to shop with us. With all that is going on in retail today, it was a tricky quarter to maneuver. We continue to invest heavily to keep people safe, but we are rising above the challenges and finding ways to improve day by day. As we look forward, many pieces of our strategy are falling into place in ways that clearly make sense for our customers. I am very encouraged, and I will now turn the call over to Galen. Thank you,
5: Sarah, and good morning. Loblaw delivered better results in a complex quarter. The company remained steadfast in its commitment to put customers and colleagues first as we sustained investments in safety measures at store level while resisting pressure to raise prices at a time when Canadians need value more than ever. Colleague engagement and customer satisfaction scores remained at all-time highs in the quarter, And as performance in our discount and drug segments began to come back, our market division maintained its positive momentum. This is reflective of a great team effort, and I want to thank the 200,000 colleagues at all levels of our organization who enabled us to keep Canadians fed and well during the quarter. As Sarah described, we did this while also advancing our strategic pillars with decisive steps forward in everyday digital retail, payments and rewards, and connected healthcare. In the face of extraordinary circumstances, Loblaw effectively balanced operating a strong colleague and customer-focused core business, made forward-thinking investments in its digital future, and delivered earnings growth. We continue to do so with conviction that this will create value over the long term. Thank you. I'll now turn the call over for questions.
2: Thank you, Gil. And Jack, if you don't mind introducing the Q&A process, please.
1: Certainly, at this time, if you'd like to ask a question, please press Star One on your telephone keypad, Karen Short with Barclays. Your line is open.
0: Hi, thanks very much. Um just wanted to ask. A- couple questions on discount generally, so it seems like you've invested more in discount and that obviously impacted the gross margin side of things, but wondering why you think you need to do that and then whether Canadian like, you know the Canadian consumer is actually focused on discount right now or maybe if it's not the best timing on something like that because there really isn't such a focus on
4: discount. And then I had a follow-up. Okay. Hi, it's Sarah, I'll start. Uh, I would say that from a discount perspective, we actually find it's actually quite competitive out there in terms of the uh, intensity that we're seeing. So we did feel that it was important uh, to make some investments um, in price through this time. Uh, Different scenario in our market division where we also uh, resisted the urge to raise prices um, and have as a result seen some share gains.
0: Okay, and then um, maybe a little bit more color on the PC health. Uh, I know we've talked about this in the past offline, but now seems the right time to do that. But wondering if you could just give a little bit more color on how you see that unfolding just broadly. And it seems like a very strong uh, position that you have to actually gain share and leverage that, the relationships that you have.
4: Okay, so I would say on PC Health, it's still very early days. We have uh, launched it. We only launched it in the Atlantic provinces um, of Canada. We plan to launch in Ontario in the fourth quarter. Uh, But the idea is that it's an app that helps uh, Canadians maneuver the health system. And uh, as I mentioned in my remarks, it does anything from helping them find uh, points of care as well as rewarding them for healthy uh, behavior. So that's sort of the short uh, place where we are right now in the short term, long term, we're looking for ways uh, to expand across the country. We do plan to roll it out across the country um, in 2021. Um, and I don't know, Darren, if there's anything you want to add on, on in the health space. That. No,
3: I think, Sarah, you characterized it well. I mean, it's, it is still early days, but it's got a lot of exciting potential for us, and particularly when you think of the, uh, you know, the velocity we can bring to an app like that and, and the kind of ecosystem we can build around it. So, you know, we're excited by its potential, but it's, but it's early days, and it will take time before it's kind of ramping and, and, and probably moving the numbers in, 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 in any major way.
4: And I think maybe I'll just add, um, if if I could, on uh, how in a different part of the country, um, in BC, where our investment in Maple has allowed us to provide in-pharmacy virtual care uh, to customers. So you would go into a pharmacy, you would be able to uh, see a virtual doctor um, for a minor ailment that you may have, and you would be able to get your prescription uh, prescribed at that time. And what we've seen in those pharmacies, it's in 160 pharmacies right now in British Columbia, is that there's a 93% in pharmacy fill rate after the the doctor's virtual doctor's appointment. So we think that's a nice add-on that would be, which would contribute to the PC Health app at some point as well.
0: Okay, and sorry, just last question. When we, I mean, obviously there's been a lot of volatility on top-line growth versus EBIT or EBITDA growth um, over the last several quarters for obvious reasons, but this quarter seems like we may be kind of at a new level of quote unquote normal, and there was about a five call it five hundred ish basis point gap on EBITDA growth versus sales growth do you, Do you think that's kind of the right way to think about it until we get into whatever the new normal may be is that is that a reasonable kind of gap to think of?
3: Oh, that's a great question, Karen, and one that' I'm, I'm hesitant to answer just given uh, you know I don't wanna, I don't want to provide guidance. I think that you know while we're while we have these COVID costs and I don't see a reason that they're going to go away, it's a reasonable assumption that you're just not going to get the flow through. So you know, yes, the profit rate growth will be less than the revenue growth. I think from us, you know, we're looking and, and expect to continue to see some gross margin improvements over time. Um, having said that, on the sg side, this was a really good quarter with a lot of good things going away, so we'd probably see a little bit of pressure on the sg relative to this quarter. So I think you're probably thinking about it right, but of course, I, it's hard for me to give you a, you know, good guidance on that.
0: Great, thanks very much.
3: Mark Petri with CIBC, your line is
1: open.
6: Yeah. Good morning. Um, I I wanted to ask about the gross margin performance uh, specifically and looking for some more commentary with regards to the relative materiality of the biggest factors uh, in each of food and drug. Um, I mean, I know you're not going to give specifics and, and mix is the biggest factor, but some more color just in terms of which mix shifts are the most material, you know, whether it's channel, uh, reg promo, category, uh, brand versus own brands, uh, that kind of thing.
3: Okay, let me, uh, hey, Mark, let me, let me start and, um, you know, I think it's probably that's just to, to step back again and think about Q2, which I, I know you know well, but when we think about Q2, you know, we were impacted right, right off the bat with COVID from a, a product mix perspective and we were down 90 basis points. So, you know, we're pleased that we saw an improvement in that decline. So we had a 30 basis point improvement in our decline, but we still saw declines in both food and drug. On the drug side, I will say it is certainly it's, it's predominantly or all mixed. So you think about discretionary areas like cosmetics and or beauty those are the areas that have certainly impacted us and then on, on the food side it's, it's a bit of a combination Sarah said you know there is increased intensity that we are seeing in discounts so we have been a bit more intensive on in, in terms of our relative investments and um, so it's a, it's a mix of both investing and mix of categories so think about things like HMR which is Tends to be a high, uh, a high margin category that is down, you know, year over year. So there's lots of uh, things that play within the mix, but it's a, it's a combination of the two things.
6: Okay, thanks, um, Sarah. You mentioned that you saw positive signs on customer satisfaction, um, specifically in the market division, and I think Galen, maybe you mentioned it for the business overall. I want to ask specifically about e-commerce, uh, and as you've seen demand rise so materially, can you just talk about um, you know, customer satisfaction and feedback with that offer specifically, and as you understand the pain points, um, you know what steps can you take to help address those? And I guess two topics I'm interested in specifically would be product substitutions and wait times at customer pickup.
4: So from Q two to q three, we saw um, a significant improvement in customer satisfaction in our e-commerce business, as you can imagine at the height of the pandemic. The wait times were longer than um, customers were um, expecting and certainly we had to we had to do a lot of work in order to improve and increase the capacity in order to get all of that increased demand. Uh, so we had, during Q2, we, I think we mentioned that we saw basically triple the demand in e-commerce and so there was a, a factor there. But we quickly ramped it up. So I would say Q3, significant improvements um, in our customer satisfaction related to e-commerce, but the two areas that continue to be raised as areas of focus for us are the two that you mentioned. So it is product substitutions and it would be wait times. Um, and we've got a lot of initiatives in place uh, to improve on both of those two areas, um, and making sure that uh, we provide customers with the best service that we can. And are those and Margo, initiatives-
3: I'll say, Mark, sorry, okay. I was just gonna add, I mean, and Sarah said, our fill rates have improved from Q2 to Q3 and, and like she said, there's a lot of initiatives, you know, one example, if now, if you go onto to the app, you can see where, you know, there's low stock in an item. So that helps people with things like, well, maybe you should pick your own substitution. And of course, we're going to continue to improve our substitutions as well. So there's enhancements that are happening that, that we think will continue to improve the uh, performance here.
6: Okay. Okay. Great. That's helpful, color. Um Uh, And I guess just one last one. I mean, obviously there's been tremendous amount of shift in consumer behavior and preferences, but I I wanted to ask specifically about your prepared foods business and just the category kind of holistically. Um, And at a high level, like sort of all variations, including, you know, in-store HMR, delivery meal kits, all that kind of stuff. I guess, big picture, do you think this can continue to be a growth area for you uh, over the next few years? And, And I guess, what are you doing differently or do you need to do differently in order to kind of address the market opportunity and and the shifting consumer needs?
4: That's a great question. So, I've always believed in uh, solving meals for Canadians. So, I think, um, and I think this pandemic has just made it more, even more relevant than it ever has been. So, yes, absolutely. So, we've got... uh, a bunch of different tests going on um, with a few different things so we've got the meals so we've got different versions so we have meal kits where it's raw ingredients that you put together that you can purchase um, in our stores or online we've got ready to cook meals where it's all prepared for you and all you need to do is put it into the oven uh, which can also be um, bought in our stores or online or delivered to your home. Um, we now have meal solutions there in about 240 stores. We're, we've got 80 of them in shoppers um, as well. So 80, 80 of our shopper stores have them as well where it makes sense there. Uh, so we expanded our offer in Q3 to have uh, one pan meals, ready meals, and slow cooker meal kits um, that you can use with an Instapot. So I would say, and the other thing that we are piloting is we started offering kits from uh, meal from 12 GTA restaurants. Um, in the, so those so we've got a few different areas um, in order to solve meals for Canadians in a few different ways. So good traction there. We've seen high growth, but it's still on a relatively small base for us. But yes, we do see uh, a lot of potential in this area.
6: Okay. Appreciate all the comments. All the best.
1: Irene Nattel with RBC Capital Markets. Your line is open.
7: Thanks and good morning, everyone. Um, a Couple of, of follow-ups, if I may. Um, you mentioned uh, competitive intensity, particularly in discount. Is that in Western, like, can you talk about where we might be seeing that? Is it in Western Canada, as in reaction to some of the fresh co-conversions? Like, where are we seeing the greatest intensity? That's
4: a good question. I would say we're seeing it across the country in some of the national players um, and then of course we are specifically impacted by some of the conversions um, in Western Canada um, as well but I would say it is a it's a national it would be a national uh, intensity that that that's great thank you and
7: just sticking sort of in the same kind of theme you said that you're seeing market share gains who do you think or or, or which channel um, do you think that these gains are you know, at the expense of who or whom?
4: Oh, it's difficult to know. I'm saying market share gains in our conventional business in our market in our market division, um, and so presumably it would be against uh, the conventional players, but it could be against uh, it could be against others. It's hard to know exactly uh, who we're winning against.
7: Okay, thank you. And then just um, thinking about kind of the, the evolution over the next six months there's going to be seems to me there's going to be a lot of puts and takes both from a demand and a margin perspective i'm thinking about front store at at shoppers and perhaps lower sales of of cosmetics um and and also you know certain types of illnesses and, and the impact that that has thinking about the potential for rising e-commerce penetration as we move through the brutally cold winter months when no one wants to stand outside. Um, just wondering how you're thinking about it and how you're planning for some of the distortions that we may see more in the next couple of quarters.
4: That's a great question. I would say that what we have been doing is trying to be very agile. We've seen a lot of different changes um, in the way that uh, our business has been operating. Um, certainly looking at shoppers, as I said in my opening remarks, that's very, very complex um, as they've got ups and downs uh, across the business. So I think we'll just expect to see uh, more of the same. Hopefully, I would say in some cases it's starting to normalize. Uh, so I think we understand uh, some of the trends in terms of you know, what's happening in beauty. I think we understand the trends um, in happening in cough and cold. Um, as people have not been out as much. Uh, we have seen a decline there. And we're looking at ways to, to offset some of that. Um, and we've seen great demand um, in flu vaccinations, in COVID testing. Um, and if there's other um, potential areas that uh, the pharmacist can take a bigger um, role, we would be happy to do that too. Um, so I think we are maneuvering that. I think in the grocery business, we've got a pretty good understanding of what happens um, when uh, communities uh, go into lockdown, what happens when it opens up again. Uh, we have been holding uh, some extra inventory um, in case of some of these uh, areas where uh, there are lockdowns. Uh, so I think we'll just continuing continue with the, the agility we've been doing so far through the pandemic. That's great. Thank you. Michael Vine. Oh, actually, one other mention, actually, if I could just say on uh, your mention on e-commerce. I think what we've got that we, we like about the model that we have is it really can scale up and scale back down. So we did scale up um, as we went through the pandemic, and we have the capacity to, for very high penetration now um, in e-commerce. And at the same time, it scaled back a little bit in Q3, so we have the ability to scale back there, too. Uh, so we've got a fairly agile uh, e-commerce model as well.
1: Michael Van Aylsk with TD Securities. Your line is open. Uh, Thank you, good morning. And I
8: I wanted to continue on the e-commerce actually. So you said it was up about 175%. So I I guess that's somewhere in that four to four and a half percent penetration for food. Does that seem reasonable? Yeah, that's
4: around
8: about the right area. Okay, so when you look at the delivery versus click and collect, do you see any changes in behavior Um, of, say, the relative growth the past few quarters?
4: Yeah, so what we saw in Q2 is that the – and click and collect or pickup is a much larger proportion of our e-commerce business, Um, and so what we saw in Q2 was that delivery uh, was increasing at a higher rate than click and collect, but of course, uh, click and collect ended up being – is still substantially higher. In Q3, we actually saw a reversal where our click and collect uh, business actually rose at a higher rate than delivery. Uh, so interesting trend. So as the you know it opened oh, it up, opened up. Yes, we would have seen a, a change there. But both are growing significantly.
8: Okay. And then, what percentage of the e-commerce business comes from PC insiders?
3: From it'd be a relatively small percentage today. Obviously, good right. plan then, to make that in the future. OK. And so
8: when we look at the gross margin contraction, you talked about some of the mixed factors in that, but how much is e-commerce of that 60 basis points? Because we saw when your, when your e-commerce penetration was higher in Q2, you had the 30 basis points more compression than what we saw in this quarter. Is that the delta mostly due to e-commerce?
3: no the the nice thing with e-commerce business is it's it's accretive on the gross margin we see a a nicer basket in it so it's it's really not driven by the the e-commerce it's it's for the reasons that uh, that i already walked through okay
4: for e-commerce it would be on the sgna side so it'd be the labor side where you'd actually see a dilution on gross profit to darren's point it's actually accretive
8: okay great and then i believe at this point you're the only grocer charging for quick and collect uh, for pick, for pick fees um, is there like how long can you do you think you can be the outlier
5: here?
4: Well, I think for now we're pleased with our performance. We're seeing significant growth in it um, So I, I don't know exactly uh, what our plan for how long exactly But it's something that we would monitor and at some point we know that we will likely um, not be charging those fees
3: Yeah, I mean and just add I mean our customers so far are telling us they're happy to pay a fee for the service. it's a a very good service that they're getting and it's a very nominal fee and so we've you know we've our customers have been happy but as you as you point out Mike it's something we've got to keep watching
8: okay great Um, and then on the same store sales side you you did in your earlier statements you did talk about um, I guess continued performance and and food uh, in Q4 Uh, but if you look at October compared to September in a more Uh, look at zero in a little bit closer have you seen
6: a materialing uh pickup as the restaurant started to close down again
3: i would say i mean we want to be careful how much we give we're seeing you know still volatility even week to week some weeks there's there's a bit of a pickup some there aren't so i want to be careful not to uh to give you a false trend. I think overall to the comment we said, we're on the similar trajectory from what we see at this point to the quarter.
4: And just keep in mind that our business is a national one, so it's not as weighed as heavily, uh, just to one jurisdiction um, where the markets might be closed um, as well.
8: Okay, and can you just comment on the impact of apparel and general merchandise on same-store sales trends in the quarter?
3: Yeah, the, the right-hand side overall was still a, a headwind, uh, certainly less uh, to a lesser extent than Q1 and Q2 of this year. We saw growth in, in H&E. We've seen a nice pickup in that business, which is great. And then we continue to see uh, some declines in apparel, cosmetics, and, and still uh, tobacco.
8: Great. Thank
1: you very much. Thanks, Mike. Patricia Baker with Scotiabank. Your line is open.
9: Uh, thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for taking my questions. I have uh, quite a few here. Um, first of all, um, in your response to uh, Karen Short's uh, question about uh, PC health, and uh, Sarah, you referenced the 93% uh, uh, fill rate uh, from the virtual doctor's visits. I'm just curious what that number would compare to uh, in the past to you know what the fill rate would have been for uh, fills in pharmacies where you have a medical clinic uh, kind of on the premises, sort of in the same building. Do you have, that, do you have a, a rough idea whether that would be an equivalent number or whether these virtual visits are, are
4: higher? The so virtual visits would be much higher than what we would get from a medical clinic in the same okay, uh, that, building. I mean, they would vary by medical clinic, but in general, this 93% is a very high rate.
9: Okay, thank you, very. that's very helpful. Then secondly, um, you did you, uh, announce that you're now uh, doing Shoppers Drug Mart front store, um, you know, o- online. Can you just talk about what the model is there? Are you picking from store? Are you shipping from store? What what, what exactly are you doing?
4: It's uh, we're it's basically we're picking in store.
9: Okay, um, you. The, you just made a comment about uh, the fact that in Q3 you saw a reversal in terms of the relative rate of growth between click and collect and delivery, and with delivery, uh, which was higher in Q2, but it's actually uh, click and collect is higher in Q3. I'm just curious whether that trend uh, with, uh, with uh, delivery uh, growth being lower than um, click and collect is consistent across all geographies or if, it's, you know, if there's some uh, geographical uh, differences. In those relative rates?
4: We've seen it pretty consistent right across uh, the board Uh, so certainly GTA saw the same trend as what we would have seen in uh, Western Canada.
9: Okay and then with respect to the price investments you indicated you know from a channel perspective where you're making those investments can you talk about where you've seen where you've seen the need from a category perspective to make price investments in Q3?
4: That's a great question. I'd prefer not to, it feels a bit competitive uh, to say <laughs> okay, where we're making our category investments.
9: Okay, fair enough. Then another uh, uh, um, trend in Q3 uh, was, and it, w- it was explained very well in the in the introduction, but you had that average unit price of plus 5.3%, but you notice that that doesn't really bear a direct relationship to inflation because it's really about people buying bigger packs. And so I'm just curious when, you, curious when you think about that trend, what it's telling you, or what you're anticipating from the perspective of household kind of replenishment and, and, and coming back. That you'll probably have delay of replacement of some of those purchases.
3: Well, I think it's just it's a function of kind of that bigger basket going to the store less often. So you buy a you know a larger size of something versus thinking you're going to go two or three times in a week. So it's just a function of, of, of that. So I don't expect like major normalizations out of that.
9: Okay, so um, would, would that trend have been different in Q3 versus what we saw in Q2 or Q1 then? Just the way that you called uh, it out, it sounded like a different trend.
3: Well, in Q3, we saw the average article price lift as well. Um, I think it was just 50, maybe 50 basis points less. It was in the high fours. So this trend was starting at that time uh, certainly in Q2. In Q2.
4: Okay, so I think maybe and the difference is, and uh, certainly at the beginning, like the, our last week of you know the height of the pandemic, there would have been the you know the panic buying, and there would have been uh, a let off. Certainly on pharmacy, we saw the replenishment where they didn't have to do the replenishment um, through Q2. But I would say now the you know through Q2 and Q3, it's it to it's to People just buying bigger size packs, as Aaron mentioned.
9: Okay, uh, super and. This is my last question, I promise. So you you, you went through the holiday season, the Thanksgiving uh, season. Can you just talk about what you might have learned from that, and 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 how it is is there any thinking to how that's setting you up for the the coming Christmas holiday season?
4: Yeah, that was it was very interesting. I would say that we were we were pretty pleased with how Thanksgiving as well as Halloween um, worked out for us. I think um, we didn't see a significant. You know, change in the way in our performance in terms of it. I would say it was spread out a little bit more, and I would say that people are still getting together and celebrating just in smaller groups. Um, but our sell-through um, for both uh, Thanksgiving and Halloween was uh, was strong. So we okay, expect the same, thing. similar thing when you look forward to you know the holidays and what are we expecting? It's always hard to predict exactly um, how you know during these volatile times, but we are expecting a similar thing that there will still be gatherings, people will still be eating um, meals um, in smaller groups. Uh, They likely won't be going out to, you know, as many restaurants um, and parties and so it will be eating at home in small groups um, that we are anticipating for the holiday season.
9: Okay, thank you very much.
1: Vishal Shrita with National Bank. Your line is open.
10: Hi, thanks for taking my questions. I I just want to ask a little bit more about uh, e-commerce, which is a a popular topic over the last several quarters. Uh, Regarding your micro fulfillment centers and um, and the implementation of technology, I I think I think you're using takeoff technology. Hoping you could provide us some perspective. I know it's early days, and what you think about that, and is this something that you're going to roll out more broadly? And 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 if you aren't prepared to give us that answer, then maybe you could tell us at what point you'll be prepared to make that conclusion.
4: Hmm. That's a good question. So right now we've got uh, we've got one automated micro fulfillment center. That yes, you're right. We are working with Takeoff. Uh, we're pretty pleased with the performance that it, uh, that it's uh, providing us. Um, and then on the other hand, we've got four uh, manual fulfillment centers. And so we're currently just doing the comparison of the performance of the two versus the cost of implementing the two different versions. Um, so we're not prepared uh, to. Uh, announce what it is that we're going to do going forward, but uh, the tests continue um, and likely in the new year we'll have a better position on this.
10: Okay, and uh, with respect to Loblaw Media, my, my perception was, in the past, that was something that management was was pretty excited about and I know the pandemic kind of uh, slowed down the implementation of that. Wondering if that's a, a profitable program for for Loblaw at this point and, and what uh, your suppliers are thinking about it?
4: Yeah, I would say early days on media, um, and I would say that the pandemic did uh, dampen that a little bit. But I would say we feel very op- um, optimistic about it. Um, our suppliers that, who some of the vendors who have, we have worked uh, with on that, um, on some programs are very pleased with the results that they see um, through it. Uh, we right now it's about neutral on an earnings perspective, um, and for 2021 is when we think that we can make some progress in on law Media.
10: Okay and uh, with respect to the efficiency initiatives um, obviously a a ton of uh, a ton of things going on at Loblaw and and sometimes the growth initiatives get a little bit uh, more uh, color uh, on the calls maybe due to analyst questions but the efficiency initiatives management commented on that it seemed like they were additive in this quarter as they were in prior wondering if you can give us a sense of what particular initiatives were the big drivers of efficiency this quarter and what we can look forward to in the quarters ahead. Yeah, Michelle, it's, um
3: as we've talked before, I mean, this, this program hasn't stopped. It, it is ingrained in our culture and how we're, how we're approaching every day. Um, we've talked before about it's really in six buckets. There isn't a silver bullet. It's on every aspect of the business, whether you're in store support, whether it's in GNFR and, and, and the store. It's things like uh, shelf labels. It's things like self-checkout. Um, it's just improvements everywhere. So I wouldn't call out one Specific item other than just to call out, just you know, our, our major focus continues here and will continue in this area.
4: And I think, on the shopper side, if there is an area that was probably had a biggest impact for them, it would be on the self checkout, um, which has probably been helped a little bit by COVID as well, where people are, are would like to prefer to not to be as close to people, so they are choosing self checkout. We have uh, we did do some expansions um, in that in stores, and I would say that. The penetration is uh increasing significantly in shoppers thanks
1: peter Squire with bmo capital markets your line is open
11: okay thank you um sorry to belabor the point but back on the the discount channel and the pressures that you've been having there w- would you say that like like the reason you're facing those pressures it's just largely the you know the competitive promotional intensity of your competitors, or have there been law Loblaw, law any law law specific issues you could call out? So, for example, missing the price margin balance, or merchandising tactics, or whatever.
4: That's an interesting question. I would say that I think there's a couple of things happening. Certainly, in the early days of the pandemic, we would have said structurally it was. Uh, more difficult um, to satisfy customer needs through certainly some of our hard discount stores, um, where high volume, high traffic, low assortment—you know, just very high sales penetration in a small store—made it more difficult. I would say um, since then we've sort of managed that, and we've got that. Uh, we've got sort of the con- the consumer has uh, changed. It's uh, their their buying patterns, and so that seems to have stabilized and it has been more of uh, pricing investments and keeping pr- promotions going in order to make sure that we're competitive against our competitors, but also to make sure that we're offering great value to our customers uh, when they need it more than ever.
11: Okay. Um, on the 85 million of COVID costs that you disclose, you incurred during the quarter, is that, is that, is that what we should assume is the, the new quarterly level Going forward, you know, all else being equal, and you need to keep the same level of annotation and protections for the customers and employees, etc. Is that is that what we should be looking for on a quarterly basis?
3: Yeah, Peter, certainly for where we're at today uh, in this pandemic, that's a good run rate
11: to be using.
4: Just keep in mind that Q3 was a four-period quarter, so it would be lower, but the same run rate in Q4.
11: Right. Good. Good point. Um, And when the you know, when we eventually get out of this, whether through vaccines or otherwise, is, is some of that cost going to stick? Is that, is that now structural in, in your business for whatever reason, customers demand cleaner stores or whatever, or is most of that going to disappear?
3: That's a good question. I, I think, I mean, it's challenging to predict. I think there will be some elevated costs, but certainly it would not be this kind of run rate cost a, a large, a large part of this would fall off. But I think there's going to be, you know, I think consumers are going to have different expectations for at least for a period of time after. Um, so I don't think it goes to zero, but it certainly wouldn't stay at this level.
11: Right. Okay. And then just lastly, on the uh, normal course issuer bid, uh, Darren, I noticed you bought back some stock during the quarter. Is this is this largely just anti dilutive measures on your part, or li- like I'm just wondering what your philosophy is? Uh, is is the company trying to reduce the share count at this point? It, it's a, it's part of
3: our financial framework. It hasn't changed. It's it's we see it as a, a great way to, with our strong cash flow to give back to shareholders. So it it hasn't changed. We resumed it in the quarter and. Uh, you know, we can plan to continue to uh, do buybacks. Okay, thank you.
1: Okay. Thanks, Peter. Chris Lee with Desjardins. Your line is
12: open. Hi, oh, good morning, everyone. Um, Sarah, just uh, wondering, have you had discussions with the government in terms of what role shoppers might play in the distribution of the COVID vaccine? And it seems like it will be a very large undertaking, but you know with potential benefits, not only financially, but obviously from a social, good perspective and just wondering if you do participate what type of investment uh, will shoppers need to make to make sure that they're well prepared
4: we always have uh, ongoing uh, conversations with the many different governments um, across canada we would love to be part of the solution for providing a vaccine to canadians Um, so we would definitely feel like we would be well suited for it Uh, we have all of the protocols in place Uh, That we think uh, would be required, and we'll continue to have those conversations. Uh, So, I would say, in terms of preparing, I wouldn't say we could prepare, we are prepared to be able to do it through appointment only or through walk in. I think we're prepared to be able to do it any way that we can think of that it might be rolled out. I think it would just be a question of having the right labor in the right store as the vaccine becomes available, and as we understand the rules of who will be getting the vaccine first. Um, and those types of protocols, but we feel uh, well-prepared to be able
12: to do this. Great. That's very helpful. And you mentioned cosmetic sales improved sequentially. Just wondering, you know, how much of the cosmetic sales have recovered versus last year uh, during the quarter? Can you give us a sense of is it 70%, 80% just some rough idea? No.
4: So we're still down. So from Q, we were down in Q2 significantly, as it really wasn't the focus of uh, customers at the at the height of the pandemic. We're still down in Q3, but we're starting to uh, see an improvement. So not, uh, but it wouldn't be as down as much as um, we would have more than seventy percent of last year's sales. It wouldn't be down that much. Okay, that, that's helpful. And then just on the discount
12: side, uh, I think you mentioned that the food sales were higher if we exclude the right hand side and. I think it'll be helpful if you can maybe quantify for us what was the drag so we can get a true sense of this underlying strength of the food sales in this camp.
3: Hey, Chris, I don't think we're going to give that number today. Um, like I said before, the right-hand side impact was a little bit less than the second quarter. What was quite a bit less than the second quarter, um, but I don't think we're going to give the number by division today.
12: Sorry. Okay, no, no problem. And then Darren, just um, maybe an, a quick one on, on gross margin. If we assume the market division has a higher gross margin rate than this can. Just wondering, did the strength from the market division so far this year, have, did it have a meaningful impact on on gross margin, on the gross margin rate?
3: I mean, it certainly would have helped the, the margin rate, yes.
12: Okay. And my last question, um, do you expect the changes in the branded prescription drug prices starting January 1st of next year to have any material impact, I know in the past you you always say you budget about 70 to 80 million, you know, for drug reform impact. Is that sort of within that that budgeting that you have for next year?
3: Um, I would say I, I want again careful to give color for next year, um, but I would it would be within the um, kind of regular reform that we would expect. Nothing nothing higher at this point in time from what we know.
12: Perfect. Thank you, and I uh, hope you have a strong finish to the year.
3: Thanks, Chris.
1: Michael Van Niels with TD Securities, your line is open.
12: It's just a
8: a follow-up question on financial services, actually. Uh, You might have mentioned it, but I I missed it. Can you uh, explain the the big increase in the margin uh, in the financial service side, given that you had lower revenues and
3: COVID? Yeah, Mike, it's really a function of two things. One is timing of investments, and we called them out last year as a hurt in this quarter, so it's kind of normalizing of that. And the second was just adjustments to our ECL provision. We are seeing you know some moderate improvement in the economic outlook, at least relative to the second quarter when we put the – in the first quarter when we put the ECL provision there, so it's just more of a true up upme- uh, on that.
8: So 18 is a more normalized level then is what you're suggesting? Yes. Okay, and as you look into q four it's usually a big quarter for the for, uh seasonally for financial services uh but you know given the lockdowns and people probably spending a little bit less and uh maybe fewer people in store, do you see any risk to the you know, to the performance of the mobile shop or the credit card in
3: general? yeah, listen, it's difficult to predict how things are gonna. To- Go depending on, on you know, lockdowns and what. I'd say the underlying portfolio is still doing well. People are paying their bills. Um, the, the loss rate year-to-date you know relatively in line with last year, so, that, so the portfolio is quite healthy and people are still spending. Um, how that If there's further lockdowns, how that will play out is a, is a question. I'd say we still expect a you know, seasonal pickup into the fourth quarter. Um, I just don't know the degree of the impact of, of things like lockdowns at this point too hard to predict. All
11: right. Thank you.
1: there are no further questions at this time, I'd now like to turn the call back over to the Loblaw team for final remarks.
2: Thank you. And thanks, everybody, for your time this morning. If you have any follow-up questions, please give me a call or drop me a note and mark your calendars for February 25th when we'll be discussing our full year 2020 results. Have a great day.
1: This concludes today's call. We thank you for your participation. You may now.
0: Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.